This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Shavua Tov, everybody, and welcome to 101.9 Chai FM, where we learn Torah on the airwaves. And today is going to be my last session now until after the Yamim Tovim, basically because three, I think, Mondays, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, the first days, and Sukkot, the final days, are um, Yamim Toivim. And in between, I'm just going to be taking a little bit of a break. So we're going to wrap up what we're learning now and uh, hopefully early speak again after the Yamim Toivim. But we still have an action-packed uh, discussion uh, to have and quite a very timeous one, you know. In Judaism, we believe in Hashkacha Pratit and divine providence, which means that God looks after us and is running our lives and is intimately involved in every second of, of, of everything that we do, not only me and you, but every single human being, every blade of grass and every entity there is in the universe. And I always tend to smile to myself because many, many times I'll be sitting, studying, learning something, and you'll see the timeliness, the hashkacha pratit of it all. Um, and today is absolutely no exception. And as always, I invite you to take part in that conversation. You can SMS. On 34519, we've got a telegram number, 061-895-1019. And if you're brave enough, you can even call in the studio on 010-140-3020. Last week we left off. We just did chapter, um, chapter 15, verse 1 of Genesis, where God comes and tells Abraham not to be so nervous, to relax, that um, God is with him, that he hasn't... Uh, used up all his merit and that God is going to give him what it is that he needs. And also we learned that God actually changed changed the way in which he spoke to Abraham in that he had the clearest form of prophecy, which is vision and speaking. And we are going to continue this discussion today, but I don't want to spend too much time on um, the next maybe two to five verses just we're going to learn them, look at them, and then I want to get into the crux of today's discussion, which holds tremendous um, messages for us in 2019, Erev Rosh Hashanah of the year 5780. So let's get stuck in. Anybody who's looking in and wanting to follow in the Chumash, we are in chapter 15. We're now going to be reading in the verses 2 to 5. So God Verse 1 says, Abraham, don't worry, don't be scared, I am with you, I am your shield, and I am going to look after you henceforth. <clears throat> God continues and says, <coughs> excuse me, God continues and says, um, <clears throat> Abraham continues and says, apologies, Hashem Elohim, O Lord God, Mati Tenli, what will you give me, Ve'anochi Holech Ariri, if I am going to continue to be childless? Uven Mesek Beiti, who? Damesek Eliezer. Because the heir to my household is Eliezer of Damascus. So Abraham hears everything that God has to say and then says, well, that's all great. You've just promised me again 
that my offspring are going to be many, that you're going to give me the land, I'm going to inherit it, I have a lot of merit to me, but what am I and who am I if I am childless? Because right now it seems that the only person to inherit will be my servant, um, Eliezer. And he continues by Yomer Avram, and he continues to say, this is in verse 3, Hain li lo nasata zara, you have not given me any offspring, vihine ben beiti yoresh oiti, and so a member of my household will inherit what is mine. Now, why is Avraham saying all of that? Because we know that Avraham was a great astrologer, and he saw in his stars that he would never have any children. And this is something, this is a whole discussion in and of itself that I don't want to talk about too much, but just to say that Jews do not follow, or no, wrong, I'm taking that back. Jews um, are part of the world, and there is such a concept as astrology, and we are all affected by the months and the years that we are born in, and there is no question that a person who's born in the month of Av, uh, July, August, will be and have the characteristics of a Leo, as opposed to somebody who is born, say, um, under the star influence of Pisces and is more water. Those things are of no question, but what is um, of no concern in terms of being a Jew is that our astrological charts and um, fates as written in the astrology do not have to have any bearing upon us, meaning that we have the ability through connecting to God, keeping Torah and mitzvot, the commandments of the Torah, we are able to change all of that as opposed to the rest of the world that is in fact um, governed by these laws that have angels governing them. Jews do not have an angel governing them, nor are, do they have to abide by the astrological charts. And so God is going to respond to Abraham because Abraham, in truth, was correct um, in the stars, in the natural um Way of the world He was sterile Not infertile Sterile And so was his wife Sarah In fact we're told With Sarah She wasn't even born With a uterus With a womb um, And so His complaint to God His questioning of God Is in fact 100% correct But In verse 4 God says devar Hashem elav God's word comes to him Saying Lo yirashcha zeh He Shall that one, meaning um, Eliezer, some say it could have been Lot, um, he will not inherit from you. Ki im asher yetze mi me'echa hu yerashecha. Because he who comes from your own body will be your inheritor. The yoyte oito ha he takes Avraham outside, by yoymer, and he says to Avraham, this is God speaking, habet na hashamayma, look up to heaven, usfor hakochavim, and count the stars, im tuchal lispor otam, if you are able to count them, by yomer lo, and he says to him, ko yihye zar echa, these will be the amount of your children, these will be your children. And finally, in verse 6, veheeminu bahashem, <clears throat> Abraham believes in God, 
tzedakah. He considers it as it is charity. So God goes out and says, Abraham, you're wrong. You're going to have someone who is going to inherit it. It's going to be someone of your own flesh and blood. And just to add to the promise, go out and look at the stars and, um, all the stars that you see in the heaven, that is going to be the amount of your children. So do not fear. I'm putting this to bed. I am going to ensure that you have children. And um, Abraham looks at as if God is fulfilling his promise as an act of mercy, as an act of charity, i.e. he doesn't deserve it. And so um, he, he, he accepts it. He believes it. And they close the chapter on this. We now go for a little bit of a break in terms of the narrative of the Chumash. And consequent to that, um, you will see it speaks about uh, Sarai being childless and what happens there. But in the meantime, practically, we're just going for a little bit of a break too. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. What also is upon us is the year 5,780, a brand new year. It's a year that um, is promising to be full of many, many new, um, new things. And one of them is, is seemingly, as we are speaking now, there's going to be a change in the landscape of Israeli politics. Now, I don't want to get into politics. I want to look at this in terms of the spiritual standing of the Jews at this point in time and where we are at. And in order to answer that, as I said at the beginning in my introduction, it's very fortuitous, Hashkocha Protis, divine providence, that we're actually learning the, the, the Chumash that we have in front of us today. Because now what we are going to see is that God enters into a covenant with Abraham. And this covenant, even though seemingly it is a covenant that looks at face value, a covenant that um, was to do with the topic at hand, meaning that you have no children, I'm going to promise you a child, I'm going to um, give you an inheritor, you're going to inherit the land. Um, this couple of lines of Chumash are laden with prophecy and with many, many indications of what will happen in the future. So let's get stuck in into the practicalities of the verses and then have a look at what this means moving forward. So we're going to look in verse 7, and we're going to read all the way to verse 22. So for those in the Chumash, you may open up. For those that aren't and are listening, just listen up. Vayomer love. God says to him, Ani Hashem Asher Hotzeticha me Ur Kastim, I am the God who took you out of Ur Kastim, La Tetlacha eta Aretza Zot le Rishta. I have given you the land um, as a possession, as an inheritance. Um, so here is already, um, as timeless as it can get, a discussion about the land of Israel and who this belongs to. This is not about a United Nations resolution. It is not about who lived in it last, but it is a an inheritance that goes back all the way to the time of the Bible, to the time of Abraham, and it is written in black and white in many, many places. God says to Abraham, I am giving you, Ur Kastim, I am giving you this land of Canaan, um, 
as an inheritance. Vayomer, and so Abraham says to him, Hashem Elokim, Bame Eda Mi Irashena. Hashem, how shall I know that I will possess it? So Abraham is pretty still nervous about it. I hear you. How am I going to be guaranteed that I am going to possess it? Now, what takes place is that they enter into a covenant. Today, we would go to a lawyer. We would draw up a shareholders agreement or some type of sale agreement, and we would go about the legalities this way. In the olden days, they used to... um do go through a process of sacrificing animals and by that they it, they would enter into a covenant and seal the covenant and this is what we are going to read now so god says to him bring for me three heifers three cows the mishuleshet and three goats the ayel mishulash and three rams vetor vegozal and one um, dove and a young pigeon. So Abraham brings all of these things. And what does he do? He divides them all up through the center, all the animals, and places one half opposite the other half. And the birds, however, he does not divide. Vayeret ha'ait al hapkarim, vayashev otam Avraham. Vultures then try to descend on the carcasses, and Avraham drives them away. Vayhi ha'shemesh lavo, the sun was about to set. Vatardema nafla al Avraham, a vision Sorry, a trance falls upon Abraham. Vihine, and behold, Ema Chashecha Gedola Nofelet Alav. A deep, dark dread falls upon him. Vayomer la Abraham, and God says, Yadote da Kiger Beeretz. You should know that your offspring will be in a land that is not theirs. They will be enslaved. And um, they'll be oppressed for 400 years. Vegam etagoy asher ya'avdu dan anochi. And then the others that will enslave them and um, I will bring judgment against them, the, the, the nation that they serve. Vacharechen yatsu birchush gadol. They will go out with a great wealth. Ve'ata and you, tavo el avotecha b'shalom, you will join your fathers in peace. Tekaver b'seva tova, you will be buried at a good old age. Ve'dor revi'i yashuvu, the fourth generation will return. Ki lo shalem avon ha'emori adhena, the, because the Amorites would have not run its course until then. Vayihi hashemesh ba'a, and then the sun sets, ve'alata haya, and it became very dark. Vihinei tanur ashan ve'lapid esh asher avar bein ha'grazim ha'ele, and a smoking furnace and a torch of fire passed through the pieces. Vayom ha'hu karet hashem et avraham brit, because on that day, God created a Brit, a covenant 
with Avraham. He made a pact with Avraham. Lamor saying, to your offspring, I have given this land. Minahar Mitzrayim, from the river in Egypt, Ad Hanahar Hagadol Nahar Prat, all the way to the great river called the Euphrates. Vetakeni, Vetaknizi, Veta Eta Kadmoni, Veta Hiti, Veta Prizi, Veta Rafai, Veta Emoiri, Veta Knani, Veta Gergashi, Veta Yevusi. And then God goes and describes ten, um, Gentile nations that Abraham is going to land up in his hands. And this concludes this verse, uh, these verses. It's pretty enigmatic. It's pretty strange. Um, and as I said, it is laden with a lot of um, metaphor and explanation, um, not only in the Brit, the covenant that God does with Abraham at that point in time, there and then, but it is laden with a lot of prophetic vision about the entire Jewish destiny. God speaks about the fact that we are going to be servants in a strange land. There is the prophecy of Egypt that we are going to be there for 400 years um, and that we're going to come out with great wealth, that Abraham is going to live a long life, that we are going to um, conquer the land and that we are going to take away the jurisdiction of any of the Gentile lands that are in the lands, because this land is for his um, for for his uh, offspring forever. Now, if we go back, there are many many things that we can ask about it. Why is God asking for three cows and three goats and three rams? Mishulash means a triplet of. Um, Okay, and then why is it that he cuts those in half, but he doesn't cut the turtle dove and the young pigeon? What is what is this all about? The fact that vultures are actually coming to eat the the carcasses, and Avram sends them back. So let's dissect it a little bit and start to get an under an understanding of what God was actually doing. In essence. God was showing Abraham the destiny of the Jewish people until the end of time when the world will come to completion and we will inherit a world of Mashiach. We will bring about a redemption with the Messiah where all evil, all negativity will be taken away and we will live in peace we will live long lives, we will live in health, and we will bask in the glory of the revelation of godliness. We will all understand why we are here on earth. We will all be able to fulfill our duty and our service of God completely clearly without any um, opaqueness into what are we doing here and why is the world so cruel and What's the business with all this illness and all this uh, fractitious fighting that we are find, that we are finding now uh, in the world arena? So let's go through some of the points to understand what God was actually showing Abraham. So, firstly, uh, the first thing that we need to understand is that God was telling Abraham that we would be going through four different exiles. Okay. Four dark exiles um, that would 
come after the exile of Egypt. And where we see that is in verse uh, 12 of chapter 15, where we see the words, Vehine Ema Hashecha Gedola Nofelet Alav, literally translated, a dread, dark and great, fell upon him. So our rabbis teach that the word for dread, Ema, referred to the Galut of Bavel, the Babylonian um, exile. Then dark, Hashecha, um, refers to the Persian exile. That was when we're talking about Haman and the whole story of Purim. Gedola, big, refers to the Persian exile and, uh, sorry, to the Greek exile. Um, it's considered big because we went through 60 kings in the Greek empire. Some people even said there were 120. But, uh, and remember, the Greeks were pretty wicked. They subjected us to very, very harsh persecutions. And um, it was a very, very big burden on the Jewish people. Nofelet Alav falls upon him, designates the Galut of Edom, the um, Roman exile. This was the period when the second temple was destroyed and we were sent into the diaspora, um, having not returned until our time now, um, where we see the growth of the land of Israel in a way that is, that is, has never happened before since we were exiled over two, 2000 years ago with the Roman exile. So we have the four exiles, the Babylonian, the Persian, the Greek, and the Roman. Now, the fourth empire lasts until the arrival of Mashiach, as we are told in the book of Daniel. And I'm going to come back to this in a moment. So we're having the four um, exiles being shown to Abraham. We are also told about the fact that we are going to go into the land of Egypt, and we are going to go and um, find the land of, uh, we are going to be exiled in there for 400 years, even though practically it was 210 years, um, and that we're going to come out with great wealth. So what God is showing Abraham is that you're going to have offspring, but they're going to go through a tremendous amount of difficulty. They're going to go from one exile into the next exile, and they're going to wander around on the face of the earth being persecuted by all the Gentile nations, which are representative by all these names that we read, the, the Knani and Knizi and Kadmoni and, and Amori and Rephaim and Prizi, etc., etc. They are all symbolic of the Gentile nations that are going to put shackles on the Jewish people and make their life a misery. And oh boy, have we had miserable times in our, our history, the Holocaust, which is of of, of known time, the Spanish Inquisition, the Khmelnicki pogroms, the, the, um, <clears throat> the various exiles, the Babylonian exile, the Greek exile, the Egyptian exile, um, the Spanish Inquisition. We can go on and on and on. Certainly all of that um, has taken place and has come to be. And Abraham is given a prophecy about 
all of these exiles. And that's why a deep dark dread falls upon him because he doesn't see his offspring just moving into the land of Israel and everything is hunky-dory, but rather that we are going to go through tremendous trials and tribulations. Now, in terms of the animals that he had to deal with and cut up, remember he had three cows, he had three rams, he had three goats. They were representative of the various leaders that would um, be on the world arena during these these um, exiles. So we're told that the three cows, the three heifers, um, are relating to the time when we're in Galut Bavel, when we're in the Babylonian Empire, and they were, are, these three cows are um, symbolic of the three famous Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Merodach, and Belshazzar. Those were three guys who made our lives an incredible um Misery. Now, when it came to the Greek Empire, there were many, many kings, as I have just mentioned. The three goats represent the Greek Empire, but they don't re- represent people. They represent uh, sovereignty. And we know that the Greek Empire ruled over three sides of the Mediterranean, the west, the north, and the south. Obviously, they couldn't do the east because that's where the water is. But they basically took over the world, and this was symbolic of their huge gedola, huge big sovereignty, and their um, evil uh, intentions and um, actions that they performed while we were under their galot. And then the three rams that were cut up represent the Persian exile, and those are to do with King Cyrus. King Darius and King Ahasuerus. Now, um, this, uh, there are some opinions that there were four kings who ruled the Persian empires. Some say ten, but here again, God was highlighting the three most significant ones. So these three sets of three animals, the cows, the, the, the heifers, the goats, and the rams represent leaders in the Babylonian, Greek, and Persian empires that would wreak havoc on the Jewish people and make our lives miseries, which in fact they did. Then we have the turtle dove and the pigeon, which represent, we're told, the, the empire of Aramea, or as we know over here, the empire of Edom. And they themselves are not, are not, um, killed. Okay. And they represent the, the galut of Edom. This is the longest galut. And we are told over here that at the end, the Jews are likened to a pigeon. And it is they're not divided simply because we will come out alive. We will come out strong. From this galut, which galut, which means that we are coming very, very close now to the ending of this exile and coming to, I guess, a very, very big um, world birthday party. But we'll get a little bit more after the break. This is mystical text with Adel Kazilski. 
Welcome back. And so we've just uh, learned a little bit about this covenant that Abraham goes into that cuts up the animals. And basically the cutting up is representative of the fact that these exiles will not last forever. They will be bygones. And indeed, they are bygones. Where are the Babylonians and where are the Persians and where are the Greeks? Certainly not. They're not here today um, in terms of the the the... Um, presence that they had when uh, they were at their peak and they had sovereignty over the whole world and particularly over the Jews. But what I want to focus on now, and this is really where the Hashkacha Pratet, where the divine providence comes in, in learning this Erev 5780, the, the eve of the year 5780, is that Today on the world arena, we see a tremendous amount, um, more than ever. It's been there all the time, but the, the rhetoric is louder and louder about the status of the land of Israel, status of the government of Israel, and what is actually happening to the Jewish people. And not only in the book of Genesis, but in many, many, um, places in Tanakh and in later writings of on commentaries, there is a tremendous amount of dis, uh, descriptions and discussions about the Galut of Edom and how that is going to end. And in a nutshell, we are in the final throes of the completion of the end of the Galut of Edom. What do I mean by that, by the end of the dispersion and the diaspora of the, the, the nation of Edom? Who is Edom? Well, for those who have listened to High FM substantially, and particularly to my podcast and, and, and the many, many years we've discussed it, Edom is the Western world in particular. Um, on, on, in, in a, in a, gen, in a general level, Edom comes from Asav, who was the Brother, the twin brother of Yaakov, and we are taught that Asaph, in fact, was supposed to be one of the forefathers of the Jewish people. How do we know that? Because we have four foremothers. We had Sarah, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, Sarah, Rebecca, um, Leah, and Rachel. But what happens? In the story of Yaakov and Esav, Isaac and Esau, is that Esav loses the plot and he doesn't step up to where he, where he was supposed to be. And that was to be one of the forefathers and leaders of the Jewish people. Subsequent to that, Yaakov is forced to marry not only his partner, who was Rachel, but to marry Leah as well, who was supposed to be, um, supposed to be uh, Asaph's wife and Yaakov takes on the mantle of bringing the redemption of the Jewish people together with the, with with his two wives and subsequently his his two concubines he gives birth to the Jewish people etc but having said that part of the messianic redemption and the unfolding and the bringing back um to the, the world to its state we need to see um the chuva, the repentance of Asab, the 
the coming back of Asaf into the fold. Now, if Asaf slash Edom is the Western world, um, whilst for a very, very long time, in fact, the longest of all the Galuyot, of all the diasporas, we have seen Asaf wreak havoc upon us, okay, in terms of the, 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 the destruction and the um, <clears throat> antagonism towards the Jewish people, at the end of times, Esav has to do tshuva, Esav, Esav has to repent and come to be an ally of the Jewish people. We are seeing that before our very eyes today. And without getting into politics, but rather looking at it from a spiritual perspective, the fact that President Trump is the head of the um, Christian nation, the foremost Christian nation, and in light of the fact of the way he has behaved um, in the world, let's take away his personal behavior and the demeanor which people do not like. He certainly has been a friend to the Jewish people, an ally to the Jewish people, and an ally and friend to to Israel, so much so that he has recognized the sovereignty of Israel and the right of the Jew to go back to the land of Israel. He has recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He has recognized the Golan Heights. He has moved his embassy and he has been very much a person who has been an ally of the Jewish people. This is redemptive. This is messianic. And this is not going to go away. It is going to increase. Um, and it's, it's it's quite interesting even looking at the demeanor of President Trump. You know, we are told that Asaph was pretty uncouth. He was red-haired. Um, he, he, he had a temper about him. And you can see that the apple didn't necessarily spiritually fall far from the tree of President Trump. So we have that aspect of the Galut of Edom that at the end we have to see Edom coming around and um, we have to see the pigeon, we have to see the peace that it is going to bring, albeit it doesn't look very peaceful right now, but this is a birthing process. And to keep in mind that in the birthing process, um, the the time of active birth and the actual birthing of the child is probably the darkest and most painful time of the entire pregnancy. Um, and this is really where we are now. We are on the, in the birth pangs of Mashiach, but in the active labor uh, portion now where things seem so crazy, things are coming to us at such a fast rate with so much uncertainty and so much talk of war and talk of recession and talk of everything. But what is actually happening is that there is a dismantling of Galut, Edom, and a birthing of the messianic messianic promise of a world not only for Jew but for Gentile as well, a a beautiful world of health and wealth and longevity and connectedness to God and all the good things that you can think of. But in order to do that, we have to go through quite violent birth pangs in order to 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 clear out. The negativity. So on a world arena, this Galut Edom is coming to its end. And even within the land of Israel, um, and we're looking now at the, 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 the elections that we have just gone through for a second time, we can see absolute turmoil, absolute uncertainty. And the reason why that is there is simply because we cannot, um, continue Having a government that is running Israel 
in the manner in which it is doing now simply because from a spiritual point of view, I'm not getting political about it across the board. We cannot have a government who, um, who is not aligned with Torah principles and will allow the governance of a Jewish land um, in a governed by Jewish law. Now, this is all going to have to play out in the arena um, um, of, of, of Israeli politics and, and the world. And it is going to have tremendous, tremendous uh, repercussions. And we need to be cognizant that all this unnervy um, listlessness that this world has about, gee, we don't know whether we're coming or we're going, or what we are doing, or where we, what is happening, is all the dismantling of the structures that we have known um, and allowing and making space for something that is going to birth very, very soon. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. And I'm going to end with one more idea that will usher in the world for 5,780 based on what we are saying um, in Abraham's vision for the, for, for the Jewish people. There is no question that we are sitting probably on a scale that is literally about to tip. It is about to tip. And whenever we want to understand the present and to even try see what will happen in the future, we always look at the past. The book of Genesis is a book of Mase Avotimanabanim. That which happened to our forefathers, told to our forefathers, is a sign of the future. And certainly this covenant, which was known as Brit Ben Haptarem, the covenant between the parts, certainly spelled it all out. We are now going to come into the year of 5780, and there's a very nice gematria um, that um, has been explained by certain scholars around the world is that when God decided to bring the redemption of Egypt, he said the words, Pakod Pikadati, and the appointed time has come and I am now going to get the wheels in motion. Now, Pakod Pikadati basically was the beginning of the end of the exile of the Egyptians when the, um, the, the plagues began and once the plagues began there was absolutely no turning back one plague followed another until 10 plagues later we walked out as free people pakot pakadati has a gematria has a numerical value of 578 and um we are entering 578 5,780 years now. Um, there's a way that we spell the pakod, pakadati. The vav is missing, which can be representative of the sixth, sixth millennium. And so I think it's a very opportune time. It is, it's, it's a time that we are actually sitting on a precipice of incredible things that are going to happen. We are entering the world, the, the year tough shin pei, which can be to heishnat, um, pekida. That it is the year that God is going to see that we deserve the the redemption and that the wheels are going to be put into motion that there is going to be no going back. No going back in terms of us remaining in Galut forever. There are more Jews now in the land of Israel than there are out. 
outside the land and there will be a further ingathering of the exiles. There is going to be a lot of um, turbulent waters regarding um, the Israeli government and where we are going there. There is a lot of tension between um, uh, America and, 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 and places like China and Iran. There's tremendous uh, tension between Iran, Saudi Arabia, and all of these are going to come and begin all the wheels that are required in order to bring the redemption. And so my final word to you out there, Chai FM listeners, is to wish you all a ketiva v'chatimatova. You should be inscribed for a good and sweet year with Hashem's abundant and richest blessings in everything that you need. And my prayer for us as a people, as a world, to the Gentiles as well, is that we should pray for peace, for prosperity, for health, and for the arrival of the Jewish messianic um, uh, period, which is a guarantee of of everything good, greater than you can even imagine for the entire world. Shana Tova, and uh, I'll be back on air after Simchat Torah.